This episode of the Everyday Style School podcast is brought to you by the Everyday Style Challenge. Are you ready to bust out of your style rut this year? You need the Everyday Style Challenge. This guide gives you 31 simple, easy, quick-to-do tasks that will help you cut the clutter in your wardrobe, rediscover those gems I know are hiding in your closet, and use more of what you already own. Plus, you get access to the exclusive Facebook community to engage with other women who are upping their style game too. If you've made a commitment to loving the way you look, the Everyday Style Challenge is a great place to start. Visit youreverydaystyle.com forward slash challenge to get started. Hey there, welcome back to the Everyday Style School podcast, where we believe style can be easy and getting dressed should be fun. I'm your host, Jennifer Mackie Mary, and in today's episode, we're going to tackle what I think is the number one reason women don't have a wardrobe they love. It isn't money, it isn't time, it isn't kids, it's weight, and the belief that you have to love your body before you can love your wardrobe. Normally, lessons from Linda, the word of the week, philosophy segments, all of those cover different style topics. I like the variety, and a poll in the Everyday Style Lounge told me that you do too. But this topic is so important that everything we talk about today is going to focus on getting you to love your wardrobe regardless of how you feel about your body. Today, I'm going to share my own story with you, and I have a big disclaimer for the entire episode. If you're listening and thinking, wow, the product I sell or the book that I've read is exactly what she needs, I can assure you it isn't. I am 100% not interested in weight loss products or advice. This isn't what this episode is about. And if that's your takeaway, I want to kindly suggest that you listen to it again. This episode is about building a wardrobe you love regardless of the number on the scale or the letter in the back of your shirt. It isn't about losing weight so you can love the way you look. Not at all. So I just want to thank you in advance for not sending in, I'm sure, your well-intentioned emails, but I just really want to focus on the idea that this is about loving your wardrobe no matter what, not about losing weight so that you can love your wardrobe. Before we get started, though, your homework from our last full episode was to think about where you want to be on the issue of building an ethical, sustainable wardrobe and to do a little research on the brands that you wear most often to see if their values align with yours. I also encourage you to look up textile recycling where you live to keep your clothes out of landfills. If you remember, that's kind of our number one goal. I would love to hear how it went in the Everyday Style Lounge. And if you haven't done it yet, there's no time like the present. All right, let's kick things off as we always do with lessons from Linda. Today, I'm combining philosophy and lessons from Linda because they go hand in hand and sort of make the same point. I met this week's Linda at an event where I was speaking, and afterwards, there was a cocktail hour meet and greet kind of thing. I ended up in a conversation with a group of women, and we were talking about young girls having body dissatisfaction and calling themselves fat at a really young age. I had talked in my speech about not engaging in negative talk in front of your kids. And Linda, the Linda for this week, told us that she didn't complain about her body in front of her kids, but her daughter was really obsessive about her weight and was always calling herself fat and asking her mom to go on a diet. So Linda didn't think a mom's words had anything to do with it. Linda's daughter was pretty young at the time, I would say probably seven or eight, but she already had a really negative body image. 
I went home that night a little bothered by the conversation. I couldn't get it out of my mind. Maybe I didn't know anything. Maybe what we say or what we don't say to our kids doesn't have much of an impact at all. Maybe Snapchat and Instagram are responsible for how our daughters feel about themselves. Months later, Linda reached out to me to help her go through her closet. Now, when I'm working with clients, they tell me the story of every piece of clothing they own. It never fails. Like, I bought this on vacation, or I only paid $9.95 for that skirt. I actually really enjoy that part of working with clients so much because it's amazing to me what we attach to clothing and how much we remember about each piece. This Linda told me her clothing stories too, just like everybody else, except every single one had something to do with her weight or her body. For example, I weighed 130 pounds when I bought that dress, or those pants make my thighs look big so I don't wear them, or I really like this top because it it hides my belly rolls. Literally every single item came with a weight reference or a negative body reference. Also, during our session, I don't think I saw her smile in the mirror at any point, which is really rare. Most women have a few things that they love and feel good in, and when they look at themselves, their face lights up a little bit, and I love that. This Linda, on the other hand, almost every time she looked in the mirror, she gave a little frown or a little sigh or pursed her lips. She positively oozed unhappiness with her body. It was palpable, and it filled the air around us. While I was there, one of my favorite quotes came to mind, and here's your philosophy segment for the week. This quote is by Naomi Wolf, who is author of The Beauty Myth, who had this to say, a mother who radiates self-love and self-acceptance actually vaccinates her daughter against low self-esteem. I love that quote so much, and I know I've shared it on Facebook a hundred times, but I just, as a mom of girls, it really speaks to me. It occurred to me in that moment that it's not enough not to say negative things about your body. It's not enough not to criticize yourself in front of your kids. You've got to be proactively positive. This Linda was radiating all right, but it wasn't self-love. She was radiating self-loathing, and I found myself, in the few short hours I was with her, feeling worse about my body. After all, if this Linda, who by all traditional beauty standards, had like the perfect body, what did that mean for me? I went home feeling bad about myself just by being in the presence of that negativity for a few hours. I thought about her daughter, you know, the one who never heard her mom complain about her weight, but was already unhappy with her own, right? Honestly, no wonder. Granted, Linda said she didn't talk about her body in front of her kids, but just the looks and body language she gave herself in the mirror were enough. I can imagine them shopping together and her daughter seeing Linda's face in the mirror, frowning unhappily, sighing, clearly communicating her displeasure with what she saw. You don't need words to send that message. It was loud and clear. The rest of my time with Linda was really uneventful. I'd like to say that there was a major breakthrough, but there wasn't. We simply pulled out what wasn't working from her closet, made a list of what she needed, and that was that. But there are a couple of lessons to take away from this Linda and today's philosophy quote. First, I want to focus on the word radiate and what that means. Like I said before, not calling yourself fat or complaining about your thighs is great, but it's not enough. Those are passive things. You need to radiate self-love and self-acceptance. I think about the sun radiating and the warmth you can feel from it. That's what you need to put into the world, especially for your girls. 
radiating self-love means that you value yourself enough to take care of yourself. From a style perspective, self-love means wearing clothes that make you smile. Self-love means having fun with your wardrobe and not frumping around in two big t-shirts because you don't feel you deserve nice things until you have the body you want. It means taking time for yourself now and then to do some self-care. Self-acceptance means you dress the body you have right now in clothes that make you feel great right now without waiting until you're happy with the number on the scale. Self-acceptance means buying the great jeans, even if they're a size bigger than you'd like them to be. Self-acceptance is getting in the swimsuit, even though your body looks different than it used to. Are you radiating those things? If not, it's time to start. Are you radiating something else like Linda was? If that's true, it's time to stop. The second thing I want you to take away from this Linda slash philosophy lesson is the idea that those two things vaccinate our daughters against low self-esteem. Think for a moment about what vaccines actually do. They allow you to go out in the world and be protected from harmful things. There are things in the world that will harm our daughter's self-esteem, like girls at school or girls on Snapchat or TikTok, girls in the media who may be taller, prettier, smarter, more talented, whatever. It is up to you, mama, to give them the vaccine to go out among these people and not be damaged. It is a huge responsibility, but it's an incredible gift to give your daughter and one that I know so many of my ladies wish they would have gotten from their own moms. Let's do better as a generation of mothers. I want to share what radiating looks like in my own house, where I have two youngish daughters. My girls see me having fun with clothes. They hear me say things like, dang, I look cute today, mostly joking, but also not. They see me splurge on things I love, and they see me try new things. They see me buy new, but still fabulous, clothes when my weight fluctuates and my good jeans aren't fitting right without complaining or even commenting on it. They also see me leave the house in leggings and no makeup because I never want them to think that I need any of this to feel good about myself, but rather it's just fun and it makes me happy. I take care of myself because I feel good about myself, not in order to feel good about myself. I think that's just as important to communicate. Now, will this mean that my girls never feel bad about themselves? Probably not, but I'm going to give them the biggest dose of this vaccine as I possibly can. By the way, if you are a mom to boys or you don't have kids at all and you feel left out of this conversation, that is not my intent. However, the evidence overwhelmingly shows that a person's self-esteem and sense of self is most shaped by their same-sex parent. So feeling good about yourself and radiating self-love and self-acceptance should be a goal for everyone. But if you've got daughters, there is an importance and urgency that cannot be understated. All right, let's move on to the word of the week. Today's vocabulary word is curvy, and if you're thinking, wait, you already covered this one, you are correct, and I'm going to keep covering it until people understand what this word really means. I am on a mission, and I'm not stopping until this word is used correctly. This is one of my hot button issues. Here's the deal. Curvy is a shape, not a size. 
In clothing and body terms, curvy means that the waist measurement is significantly smaller than the hips and the rear. That's the gap in the back we're talking about. That's all. That's what curvy means. It does not mean size 14 and up, even though lots of retailers, media, influencers have co-opted it as a cutesy replacement for extended sizing. That's not really what it means. And here's why this word bothers me so very much. First, like I said, It's simply inaccurate. It's like Starbucks sizing is getting into the fashion game. Tall does not mean small, Starbucks. Curvy does not mean plus size, legging retailer who I won't mention. Anyway, second, it's confusing. We're not using a substitute for plus size that doesn't already have an established accurate meaning in the fashion world. If brands insisted on a cutesy word that meant plus size, they could use absolutely anything. For example, when I was putting together this show, I looked at some synonyms for plus and one was extra. A listed synonym for extra on thesaurus.com, and I'm not kidding, was gingerbread. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me either. But retailers could say they carry gingerbread sizing. That's a fun, happy word that has no other meaning in the fashion space. So it's up for grabs and no one would think you're asking for something else. However, I've heard from clients that when they're shopping and they ask for curvy styles, they get, um, you're not plus size remarks from salespeople. And I remember posting a pair of jeans on Facebook years ago and saying that it was a favorite style of my curvy girls. They worked really well for them. I got, I got a scathing email about how that jean only came up to a size 16. And if I think size 16 is plus size, I've got another thing coming for encouraging unrealistic body type standards, blah, blah, blah. Clearly, she had never met me. But if I was using a cutesy word that meant nothing like gingerbread, this would not have happened. Curvy is a word that already has a meaning, so it confuses people. Finally, and I think that this is the big one, it's insulting and patronizing. We talk a lot about body positivity and body acceptance, but how accepting are we really if we have to come up with a euphemism for plus size? We teach kids to use correct body part names in large part because we want them not to be ashamed of their bodies, right? Okay, what does it say when we have to come up with a different word for plus size? It says that we're actually not okay with plus size bodies and that they are something to be ashamed of. Also, it's insulting to say that all plus size women are curvy to begin with. You can be a curvy size zero, or you can be a size 20 with no curves at all. A size 12 woman with no curves does not magically turn into Ashley Graham if she orders fries and dessert. That's not how body shapes work at all. Calling plus sizes curvy reinforces the idea that plus size bodies are acceptable as long as they're shaped like Ashley Graham. That is not acceptance or body positivity in the slightest bit, and it's also not realistic. Most plus size women do not look like Ashley Graham. There's a reason that she gets paid millions because she does. So what's the alternative here? How about this? How about we call them plus sizes or call them extended sizes? They don't need a cutesy name to be valid. However, if we have to have a cutesy name, I'm going to vote for gingerbread. When we come back, we're going to talk about the connection between weight and wardrobe and why you don't have to love your butt to love your jeans. 
If you missed the winter capsule guide and you were wishing you could get in on an easy mix and match wardrobe right now without waiting till spring, you can. Head to my website at youreverydaystyle.com and sign up for my free mini capsule guide. It will show you how to make 30 outfits out of just 10 pieces. It's also a little of taste of what we do each season, and it'll get you ready for the spring capsule that's coming March 1st. And now back to the show. So today I'm going to share my own story of weight and wardrobe with you, and then I'm going to talk about the most common things I hear about the weight wardrobe connection and why, to me personally, they're all absolute crap excuses. Let's get started. To make a very, very long story short, Oprah has nothing on my weight fluctuations. My challenges with my weight started around the third grade, and I was put on my first diet at age 10. Honest to God, there are before photos of me in an eight-week diet program wearing my favorite teddy bear t-shirt. Just as a side note, if your kid is young enough to want to wear a teddy bear t-shirt, she's probably too young for a diet program. Just file that little tidbit away, parents. Anyway, I continued to struggle with my weight all through junior high and high school. I can't find the after picture from that program, but I know it didn't work. My weight didn't really fluctuate during those years at all. It just stayed high. However, when I started college, the extreme yo-yo diets really started, and I have started and stopped Weight Watchers more times than I can count. I have done Atkins Keto, the grapefruit diet, uh, fasting, the cabbage diet, you name it, I've tried it. I have been a size 8 and a size 18. I have bought smalls and I've bought double extra larges. I share this with you because I want you to know I get it. I'm not some size 4 stylist who is never worried about her weight or even a size 14 stylist who's never worried about her weight. This has been a battle my entire life. So I hope you understand that I'm coming at this from a place of solidarity, not from an it's so easy, just do what I do perspective. I always find professionals that have, haven't gone through this struggle really hard to relate to. And I want you to know that I've been through the struggle. I'm still going through the struggle. This may be a struggle my entire life. But here's the thing. I have always loved clothes. I'm not super into high fashion and I'm not label obsessed at all. I just love clothes that are fun and reflect my personal style. I loved that teddy bear t-shirt even when I didn't like the body that was inside of it. I mourned both my bright citron size 8 shorts when they got too small and my favorite floral size 16 shorts when they got too big. It has never once, not for a minute, occurred to me that I couldn't or shouldn't buy things that I love because my body wasn't where I wanted it to be. I have a tough body shape to dress. I've talked about this. And growing up, even into my 20s, I think not knowing how to dress my body contributed to the belief that my body was bad or somehow wrong. When I started working at Chico's, and again, I shared this, um, I think in the intro to the entire Style School podcast, episode two, I learned that my body wasn't deformed. It wasn't weird. It was just an apple that didn't work with the clothes that I was buying. Once that happened, the love affair with clothes was truly on. I knew what to love and I knew what would love me back. A big reason why I do what I do is to give women that freedom to love clothes now and not wait until they're the right shape or the right size, which honestly may never happen. And the thought of a life, any life spent waiting to love the way you look makes me really and truly sad. I don't want that for you. 
I do want to be really clear that this episode is not just for plus size women. I respect the right of every woman to struggle with her body. One thing that's driven me crazy for years is when I'm in fitting rooms with clients and I'll hear other women or salespeople talking to another customer who is unhappy with her weight or her body or how she looks in something. And these other women will say, oh, you're so skinny. You can wear anything. Or I don't know what you're talking about. I wish I had your body. A woman who used to be a size zero and is now a size six is going through the same challenges as a woman who used to be a size 14 and is now a size 20. That is a big change and tough for everyone. And I really wish women would stop skinny shaming or invalidating other women's feelings just because they have a body we think of as quote unquote more desirable or perfect, whatever it is. Last year, I was speaking to a group of women, and we started to talk about weight and wardrobe, and the conversation got real. I mean, Oprah real. I looked around, and a few women were dabbing their eyes as we were talking about waiting for the perfect body to invest in yourself. And here's the funny thing. None of them were plus size. Not one. Most women I know struggle with body image on some level, and we have to stop the idea that smaller women don't. How about we just stop talking about good bodies versus bad bodies or good butts versus bad butts or I wish I had your body or oh no, your thighs are better than mine and we just run our own races instead, acknowledging that this is hard for most everyone. Over the years in working with thousands of women, I've had a lot of conversations about weight and wardrobe and the non-existent connection we create for ourselves, but a few themes come up over and over, and I'm going to share with them with you now, as well as my response to them. The first thing I hear is, I don't want to invest in clothes at this weight. Let's break this one down. There is validity to not investing a lot in your wardrobe when your body is in flux, but you have to ask yourself, Honestly, is your body in flux? Long ago, when I first started seeing clients one-on-one with my own business, I used to ask my clients, my shopping clients, are we shopping for a right now body or for a forever body? At the time, I was working with a lot of women who were postpartum and whose bodies were actually changing a lot in a very short amount of time. However, no woman ever said to me, we're shopping for a forever body. It didn't matter if their kids were babies or college students. They all had grand plans to become supermodels real soon and just wanted to buy a few cheap things to hold them over until that happened. I noticed this trend that no one ever said they were shopping for a forever body, and I stopped asking that question. It started sort of making that decision for them in a way. If their kids were in preschool or up and they didn't share any plans for a major lifestyle overhaul with me, I wasn't afraid to point them toward higher end jeans or investment pieces that would be really fabulous for them. Of course, within budget, I'm always respectful of that. I remember one Linda I worked with who reached out to me because she'd been putting off buying clothes she loved until she lost the baby weight, but now she was going back to work and she had to up her game a little bit. It wasn't until we were in a fitting room and her son called her to ask for a ride home from driver's ed that I realized she'd been putting off investing in herself, not for the three or four years I had imagined. I met her at a Moms of Preschoolers event, so that was not a crazy assumption on my part, but she had been putting it off for 15 years, 15 years of not buying the good jeans. 15 years of living like a better body and a better life were just around the corner. 15 years of just getting by. 
I know this sounds extreme, and it is, but I also know there are women out there listening right now who have been putting off investing in themselves for a very long time. 15 years or even five years is not a body in flux. That is a forever body, and you should feel free to buy things you love for that body. If you're wondering about my definition of a body in flux or a quote-unquote right-now body, here it is. First, you have kids under preschool age. Give yourself a break, mama. Not every woman is back in her pre-pregnancy genes in six weeks, despite what Instagram and magazines say. However, when your youngest is in preschool, that's your weight, not baby weight. The second thing I use to determine if I'm dressing a forever body or a right now body is, are you actively planning to have more children in the very near future? Not, oh, another baby would be nice someday, but rather, we'd like to get pregnant this year. One is a dream. One is kind of a nice thought. The other one is an active plan, and there's a big difference. The last qualifier for a right now body is, are you actively engaged right now in a lifestyle program geared toward changing your body? Thinking about doing something is not the same as doing it. So if you've been thinking that you want to make changes for a year or a decade, but you aren't actually doing it, you go ahead and buy the good jeans. That is your forever body. We need to get real with ourselves about our bodies and realize that when we live like it's going to be different next month or next season, we're cheating ourselves out of the joy of loving the way we look right now. And if you're not careful, your plan to just muddle through for a season or two can easily turn into 15 years. I have seen this happen in quite a few clients. They plan to lose the baby weight, but all of a sudden they've got elementary school students or high school students. This is a real thing that happens. The other point I want to make about not investing in clothes you love before you're at a size you love is this. Most women listening to this show right now are not buying true investment pieces that are going to last for many, many years. Even if you had your dream body and you went out and bought yourself clothes you loved, the wardrobe you would probably buy from Old Navy, Loft, Target, Macy's, whatever, it's not going to last you forever. And it would need to be replaced and updated regardless of your body changes. We have to let go of the idea that these are the last clothes we'll ever buy, so they better be in a size you'll be happy with forever. It's just not true. I guess what I'm saying is that you're not buying a forever wardrobe, so don't worry so much about waiting for your forever body. Buy what works for you right now. Regardless of body changes, you'll have to rebuy clothes at some point. And when that happens, if you're buying a different size, great. If you're not, at least you'll have had clothes you love the whole time. The second thing I hear about weight and wardrobe is, I have clothes, I just need to get back into them. If I had a dollar for every time I've heard this one, I'd be doing pretty well for myself. I've said it before and I will say it again, clothes you can't wear are useless. In my episode on editing your closet like a pro, I talked about the concept of what a wardrobe is. It is not all the clothes you own. It's all the clothes you can wear right now. I keep using that term right now. I hope you guys are honing in on that. A few months ago, a woman in the Everyday Style Lounge posted a question, and the backstory was basically that her body had changed, she was struggling to get dressed because she couldn't wear any of the beautiful clothes she really loved, and then she asked, what should I do? Should I buy clothes now or should I wait until I can wear the things I already have? 
My style lounge ladies were all over it, encouraging her to buy clothes now because she deserved to love her wardrobe and the way she looked regardless of size. They were absolutely right. And the only thing I added to the conversation was that when you struggle to get dressed every day, life's a little less fun. You start the day in a bad mood, trying on outfit after outfit, struggling to find something that works. You avoid going places if getting dressed is difficult. I shared my favorite Diana Vreeland quote a couple weeks ago, that it's not the dress, but the life you live in the dress that matters. But I'll say it again, when you don't have the clothes for the life you want to live, the dress does matter. It matters a lot. Staring at clothes you can't wear is not an effective strategy for getting dressed, and it's not an effective strategy for feeling good about yourself. If you're not buying clothes because you own so many, but you just can't wear them right now, I want you to try this. Box up everything you can't comfortably wear today. What's left in your closet is your wardrobe. Look at it and ask yourself, will that get you dressed every single day and make you feel good? If it doesn't, you don't have so many clothes and there's no reason to struggle to get dressed. Go buy things that you can wear right now and that make you feel good right now and make it easy to get dressed right now. When and if you get back into your beautiful things, great, you'll be prepared. Until then, you'll be covered. The next one is something that I haven't heard very often, but I think it's the most brutally honest one out of the bunch and probably what a lot of women saying these other things really mean, and it is this. I just refuse to buy clothes in a bigger size. That's it. I just don't want to. I once worked with a Linda who told me the story about her mom, and her mom was obsessed with having small feet, but as she got older, as sometimes happens, her feet spread and she needed to go up a half a size. Her mom refused. She said she didn't want to have feet bigger than a six, so that's what she was going to buy. Linda said her mom only bought brands that ran a little bit generously, but if she really loved a pair of shoes, she'd just buy them anyway and and, and just suffer. Now, most of us think that's a little crazy. If you're a six and a half, just buy the six and a half. But we think that because we don't generally place a value judgment on foot size. It just is what it is. But when it comes to clothes, a lot of women do attach a personal judgment to a specific size. The women I've met who have been this honest with me are usually struggling in clothes that are uncomfortable, are past their prime, and don't make them feel very good about themselves. If this is you, I need you to hear this. You are exactly the same person regardless of what the label in your shirt says. You are not a better person when the number is smaller, and you are not a worse person if the number goes up. It is time to separate personal success and personal failure from the size label on your clothes. You know I love to offer practical strategies on dealing with wardrobe challenges, but I simply don't have one for this. Every woman who feels this way knows she would look better and feel physically more comfortable in her correct size, but it isn't about that at all. It is simply about attaching a value judgment to your size, and until you can separate your size from your value or your worthiness, there isn't a shopping strategy out there that's going to help you. I wish I could offer you more than that, but this is one you've got to work through in your heart and your mind before you can hear any of my shopping advice. Me telling you just to buy what fits you today is like screaming into the wind. This has to be something that you solve before you hit the stores. Switching gears a bit and lightening things up, I know I said this show wasn't just for plus-size women, but this next one is. 
Often I hear plus size women say they don't buy clothes they love because there's nothing good out there and plus size women are underserved in fashion. I'm going to tell you, this is complete BS and it is a lazy excuse to get out of the effort it takes to create a style or a wardrobe you love. There are so many amazing plus size brands out there and so many brands who have expanded their lines to accommodate a lot more women. I'll link to a bunch of my favorite resources in the show notes. But stop selling this lie to yourself and start putting in the work to create a look you love. It was true years ago that plus size pickings were not good, but that's not true anymore. Is it harder to shop in stores? Absolutely. But this is not a problem that's unique to plus size women. Petite women are underserved in stores. Tall women are underserved in stores. Pretty much everyone is being forced to shop online now. This is just the state of retail. Mall stores don't hate you. There is no war on plus sizes being fought by Old Navy or The Gap. Now, if you are looking for high-end designer red carpet clothing, yes, you are underserved. But it's actually pretty easy for regular women to find fabulous plus-size clothing these days. There's never, ever been a better time for plus-size fashion. Finally, my favorite, and when I say favorite, I mean the one that makes me the most crazy, the thing that women say about the weight wardrobe connection is this, some variation of, when I lose weight, I'm going to reward myself with great clothes. What this one is saying is, I don't deserve to love my clothes until I love my body. And again, this is just an excuse you're telling yourself to put off loving yourself the way you are. You don't have to do the hard work of self-acceptance. You don't have to put in the effort into making yourself a priority right now. You can just put it off until you've reached some magical number that you've set for yourself. One thing I know from my trips up and down this scale is that there isn't a day where you go, that's it. I've achieved my goal. Let the feeling of self-love and self-acceptance rain down on me starting now. The truth is the way you honestly feel about yourself at your core stays pretty constant. And if you don't feel you deserve nice things right now, you probably won't feel you deserve nice things when you reach your goal either. There will be another reason to put it off, another goal to achieve first, or you'll finally love your butt, but you'll hate your knees. Your ability to have a beautiful wardrobe is not defined by size. It is defined by the belief that you are worth it regardless of size. The other side of I'll reward myself is women thinking that the promise of a great wardrobe will be a great motivator to lose weight or go to the gym. And I have to say, I think that this is the least effective diet plan of all time. We aren't motivated on a daily basis by all the things we don't have. You don't pass on dessert because someday you want to buy premium denim jeans, and you don't hit the gym extra hard because someday you might like to buy a nice sweater. It just doesn't work like that. Here's another way to approach this, and it's a much more effective one. Let your wardrobe be the catalyst for reaching your goals instead of the reward. And no, I am not talking about buying clothes that are too small as motivation. That is insane and ineffective. What I mean is when we feel good, when we like the way we look, the likelihood of treating ourselves better in all areas goes way, way up. Have you ever noticed that When you put yourself together just a little extra, maybe heels or a dress instead of jeans or flats, you carry yourself differently. Now, compare that to when you're shuffling around in Uggs and PJ pants at the grocery store. No judgment. I've done it a time or two. 
which version of you is more likely to buy good, nourishing, healthy food, the dress and heels girl or the slippers and PJs girl? Which one of you is more likely to buy nothing but mac and cheese and ice cream? I worked with a Linda I had known for years. And for years, she said, when I lose the weight, I'm going to hire you. She literally told me that every time I saw her for three or four years. Then one day she emailed me and said, I got a new job. We need to shop. A lot of women are forced to face this weight wardrobe issue when they get a new job. And for that, I am so grateful for new jobs. Anyway, even though she hadn't lost the weight, she needed clothes. So we got her set with a beautiful work wardrobe. We updated her casual wardrobe as well. Less than a year later, she emailed me and she said, we need to shop again. None of those clothes fit me anymore. She'd been struggling for so long to lose weight and just couldn't. She just was stuck. But she told me that one of the biggest things she took away from our session was that after we shopped, she loved how she looked so much that she wanted to do even better. And it was the kick she needed to finally make changes. She's not the only client I've had like that either. And while I'm not saying that the answer to all of your weight struggles is a better wardrobe, let's face it, if it was, I would never struggle. But I do know that a frumpy wardrobe that makes you feel bad is never the answer. It doesn't help anything. When I speak to women who struggle with their weight and feel like they can't have or don't deserve great clothes, I say, if you can't love your body, you better love the heck out of your wardrobe because you have to get dressed every day. You can't go out naked. It is against most laws. There is no point in getting dressed in clothes that make you feel worse. Why not have clothes you love that make you smile? Why not have a closet that when you open it, you feel good about putting those on your body? Those clothes make you want to treat yourself better instead of punishing yourself for not being where you want to be. Your wardrobe is a much better catalyst than it is a reward. The last thing I want to say on the connection between your weight and your wardrobe is that you have a choice. There is no actual, true, real connection between having to have a body you love so that you can have a wardrobe you love. You decided that connection exists, and you can just as easily decide that that connection can go away. Social media doesn't get to decide how deserving of a beautiful wardrobe you are. Magazines don't get to decide. Not even real people in your real life get to decide. You get to decide. At the end of the day, you get to choose that you are a person who deserves to love the way you look and a person who deserves to have a wardrobe that makes you happy, whether you've reached your body goals or not. Your homework this week is to decide if this is an area that you that you struggle with. If you've been consciously or unconsciously putting off loving the way you look until you love the way you look, I want you to think about which of these excuses you've been telling yourself. And then I want you to think about if those excuses are really serving you. If not, decide what you're going to do about it. Maybe it's boxing up the clothes that don't fit you right now so you can see what you actually have. Maybe it's deciding that it's time to buy the great jeans even before you're ready. Maybe it's doing some online shopping to discover some fabulous plus size sites you didn't know about. I don't care what it is, but I want you to do one thing that will help you break the connection you created between your weight and your wardrobe. That's it, everyone. I will see you Monday with Office Hours. And next month, we're going to spend two episodes talking about my very favorite topic, which is bras. You are not going to want to miss this. This is the most important piece in your wardrobe, and we're going to get you right for the rest of the year. So that's all I've got. Bye for now. 
class is dismissed for today, but the conversation doesn't have to end here. Head over to youreverydaystyle.com for show notes, freebies, and a link to join my free Facebook community, The Everyday Style Lounge. And if the Everyday Style School podcast is helping you love getting dressed again, it would make my day if you would subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, and share it with your friends so women everywhere can have more fun with style. Thanks, Style Sister. I'll see you next time. And until then, stay stylish.